The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Season two, episode two, Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, January 15th, and it would not be a Fireside Chat Friday without co-host, co-creator Paul Catherall doing one thing and one thing. Paul, what is it that you do on a Friday? You are? Neil, I am buzzing. I am buzzing. Great to hear that. It wouldn't be a Friday without Paul buzzing. I got to say, I'm buzzing too. I'm getting a little emotional over here because we are going to talk about CX emotional intelligence today and who best to talk about emotional intelligence in customer care and customer experience none other than Sandra Thompson, who is our guest on the podcast today. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. How are you? Uh, I gotta say I'm great. Uh, it is only the 15th of the first month of this calendar year. Uh, there's a lot in store for us uh, on the podcast side. I can't wait on the customer care and contact center and CX space. This is gonna be an absolutely uh, crazy year, crazy, I think in a great way but it's going to require a lot of emotional intelligence by all of us. Yeah. Intelligence and emotional intelligence. I'm not sure if they're one and the same or two different things, but we gotta be emotionally intelligent. So I'm excited. Uh, this is a very, very great time to have you talk about this particular topic. And really, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's get into the show here. So we have Sandra Thompson all the way from me selfishly on the other side of the pond, although I would recognize she might say that I'm on the other side of her pond, and that, that's, that's her. Sandra, you're in, are you in London? Where in the, the United Kingdom are you? I'm just outside London, so about 20 minutes west in a place called Reading. In a place called Reading, wonderful. So uh, if you happen to be in the United Kingdom, uh, you should be aware that we have a thought leader and a person who has just been um, for, hopefully I'm going to use the correct terms here. You are a nominee for a prestigious award. Could you tell us, Senator, about this prestigious award before we get into your whole bio and everything? Because this is a really timely, exciting thing today, Friday, January 15th. Customer Experience Magazine do this annual thing where they recognize CX stars. And I've been nominated. And it was one of those where I, I had the email come through and I was like, well, that's, that's obviously junk. And I was about to delete it. <laughs> And then I realized, no, it was true. I was being nominated. So emotionally, what a roller coaster that was. One from thinking, raw, poppycock, next to, holy cow, this is, I've arrived. <laughs> what, what, I wish that the audience could see your face right now because I can honestly see you are feeling great about this. It, yeah. it, you're projecting happiness. You got a great emotional intelligence right now because you have some joy and some things to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. It's, it's great to see you get good energy and, and a nice beam about you today. You look really healthy and happy and, and proud. It's great. Thank you. So in addition to uh, your recent award, uh, if you're not following Sandra on LinkedIn, please do so. Uh, Sandra is the co-founder of Rise Emotional Intelligence. She's also the director of Exceed All Expectations. If you wouldn't mind, Sandra, tell us both about Rise mm -hmm. and about Exceed All Expectations. Sure. So 
Rise is all about remote working and emotional intelligence. Now, we've been doing this emergency of working from home, but there are established organisations where they have never met each other or they meet each other twice a year because they are designed to be a global organisation and they pick the best talent by having people work remotely. So our primary focus is to help them become more emotionally intelligent. And as you can imagine, through remote work, not you know relying on technology to be able to emotionally connect with people can be quite tricky for some companies. But interestingly, some remote organizations are exceptionally good at it. So it's about taking that best practice and sharing it with those that are new to that particular environment and working with hybrid. So we're going to see, I think, this year particularly, a lot of organizations where some of their staff will partly work from home, partly return to the office. How will you ensure that the emotional intelligence builds great connections, which helps with the corporate culture of organizations? So a bit with established remote working and a bit with those companies who are going to start doing it more formally. The Exceed All Expectations is very much about customer experience and it's very much about helping organisations do better by their customers, but also by their employees. I mean, we know that employees, when they're happy, they do a better job, they feel more engaged, they go the extra mile. But we also know that brands don't, all, don't always, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, emotionally connect with their customers. So that's where I've got to more recently. I've actually been in this, this profession about 10 years, but in the last two, I've brought emotional intelligence to customer experience, and I'm hugely excited about that. So uh, brands, large entities, companies, are interested in learning about emotional intelligence, and for what purpose exactly? It's teaching their frontline employees to how to utilize emotional intelligence or how to be more emotionally intelligent in their interactions with customers, or is this a marketing function? It's a human resource function. It's, um, it's an operations. What, what exactly is, what, where does this manifest itself in the organization? It's a, it's a great question. So actually what you have is the top and tail. You have lots of leaders seeking out how to become more emotionally intelligent because they recognize that emotionally intelligent organizations are happier healthier, wealthier organizations. That's one thing. So it's happening in the leadership, but it's also happening on the front line. So definitely in contact centers, you're seeing quite a lot of an interesting point, empathy training. Now, empathy is one of the 12 competencies within emotional intelligence, but you see big investment, not only from a software perspective, but also from the inverted commas soft skills. What you don't see so much of, which is an interesting point, I think, is the bit that's sandwiched in the middle. So you have the leadership training, empathetic leaders and managers, and then you have the front line. But what about the bit in between? What about those team leaders? What about those supervisors who also need to know those skills? And I think that's quite an interesting area that I'm planning to look into an awful lot more this year to say, we've got a gap here. How can you honestly support that front line if you don't understand and practice it yourself? So you mentioned, for those of us that love the numbers and love to take takeaways and to digest something easy, you mentioned 12 competencies. 
there are 12 competencies to emotional intelligence? Yes, there are. There's. Could you walk us through them? What are they? Yeah. So you start off with self-awareness. That's the first. It's a big area. And it's the one that takes the longest to grasp, but it's the foundation of all of them. The next thing you have is around empathy. You have social, that's under the social intelligence side. You've got organizational awareness. And this is very much about, you know, testing the temperature of the room, knowing who the decision makers are, knowing that while you might have a hierarchical structure and you've got names in the frame, they're not really the people who influence. So you've got self-awareness, you have empathy, organizational awareness, you've got influence, relationship management, team playing, you've got conflict management, you're testing me now. We've got yeah. we've got a bit around team, so how you play out in your team. And you've also got emotional balance. And this is one of the things that I think you transition from cognitively understanding what this thing is through to proving that you now can practice emotional intelligence. So that's the choice between reacting and responding. So what I'll do is I'll send you a link. Perhaps we can share it with the audience that are listening, which will Please. send you through to the Harvard Business Review article, which will more eloquently describe what those 12 are. But the idea is that your learning never stops because the people you work with, the environment you're in, all of these external factors that go on change all the time. So your self-awareness and your ability to balance and all the organizer, all those wonderful 12 items are constantly like a graphic equalizer. They're going up and down depending on the situation you find yourself in. That's why you need to continually practice this skill. So in a company's interactions with its customers, why the heck does this matter? I can, I'm going to Bet the importance of empathy, although we're going to debate empathy a little bit later on towards the end when we talk about a CX myth, and I can't wait to get to that one. Uh, but I can, I can, because we keep hearing empathy, 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 you must be empathetic with your customers and uh, provide a shoulder for them to cry on that, that kind of malarkey. Um, oops, did I say that? Um, um, but the other ones are quite interesting. Why are those other things so important in relationships or interactions with customers? Another great question. So I think all of us have had an experience where we love dealing with some people and we really don't really like dealing with other people. So I know, for example, that I've got meetings with X, Y and Z. Can't wait for those. There are some others where there's slight trepidation and there are others where I'm just thinking I really am not looking forward to that. <laughs> And if you think about that, if you think about that in your work environment, while you're trying to progress to get work done, when you're trying to make progress, where you're trying to do the right thing, if you don't have rapport, if you don't have understanding, if you don't feel listened to, if you don't feel valued, that's the output of not being emotionally intelligent. That's the point where people have no self-awareness. They don't know how they're showing up. I mean, I'm coaching people who say, I can't believe that they spoke to me that way. And I'm saying, well, perhaps they don't have the self-awareness of knowing how they're showing up. And so how often do we receive feedback 
How good are we at giving and receiving feedback to be cognizant as to how we're showing up and how we're respecting the emotions in others that should influence how we behave with them? Facial expression is one thing, but the voice is also a massive indicator as to how people are feeling. You don't need to see someone's face to know how they are. And I think some people choose not to, or some people are not equipped to tune into that and to feel confident to respond and even just say, how are you? I noticed that you sounded a little bit rushed or you don't seem yourself. That's all it takes. How do you measure emotional intelligence? So again, in the contact center, there's those of us that love the contact centers, customer experience, customer care. A lot of us are stuck to numbers, to KPIs, to measurements, to metrics, benchmarking. I want to know, how did I improve? I wanted to tell my bosses, this is uh, the return on whatever. How do we indicate or measure that we are being emotionally intelligent? So if we think about the contact center as one specific example. And I've, I'd like to draw your attention to three different ways of looking at it. So one way is the agent, the actual agent interactivity, their interaction with their team leader. How does that go? How much do they feel able to really say what they think? How valued do they really feel? So when they're having a one-to-one, -one, if they're having a one-to-one, -one, do they honestly feel psychologically safe in that conversation? Do they feel that they are being heard and that this person can hold them and support them without telling them what to do and coach them to a better performance? That's one scenario. So that's the agent and the team the team leader. The other one is peer-to-peer -peer, and that's really about whether you're getting on with people, whether you can influence them, whether you can persuade them and equally that mutual respect. Are there individuals who just rub you up the wrong way and when they do, the emotion you're sensing in yourself, what is that about? Are you willing to investigate what that is? Because in fact it's probably not the person that you're dealing with, it's something in you that they are triggering. So are you okay with investigating that and just kind of exploring it with that person and then the final of the three is that interaction with the customer now there are all sorts of software out there now that will guide and instruct an agent on slowing down on using this language on using that language and what the what this software is is basically saying is you can improve your ability to be empathetic by taking these steps and the research is saying that through that intervention, those individuals are improving the way that they are being empathetic. So in answer to your question, the first two are qualitative. It's very difficult because it's a very subjective measure. How comfortable do I feel? Am I doing my best? Can I be myself with these individuals? But the final one really comes down to, does the customer feel heard? Is the call completed swiftly? Do you get great feedback? How does the agent feel that goes? So I would argue that customers will feel 
that they are getting a better relationship out of individuals when people are using skills of emotional intelligence. And here's the thing, when this particular software I'm talking about, and obviously I can't remember the name off the top of my head, apparently employee engagement in the first quarter of introducing this technology went up by 66% and sales went up 23%. Now, what I can't tell you is whether that is a good robust measure, whether that was a control group and all of the other scientific things, but it's proving the numbers are going up in the right areas. Sure. I think any organization would take those improvements a week, a month, a day, a quarter, whatever the period is, they would happily take those results uh, if they could. Those are those are big jumps, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a, a concrete, specific question to the extent that you're aware what companies are out there in the market that are using the types of methodologies and approaches that you're talking about successfully? Are there any brands that we can point to and say, wow, this brand is so emotionally intelligent in the way it interacts either with its employees and or with its customers? I'd be really curious to know if there's some highlights that we could share with the audience as, as, as success stories and brands that are doing the right thing. So I'd like to, um, I'd like to share one because I had a personal experience of it. I always get a little bit nervous when I hear anecdotal stories, but I had the privilege of going to a Four Seasons hotel. I was only going for the day. And I can tell you now that the experience from getting onto the forecourt and arriving all the way through to when I left, they were on it. And what that means is they were listening actively. They were respectful of the environment. They stepped in when they could notice my body language that I needed some help. They were graceful and respectful. They had remembered something that I'd put into a, a note into the booking before I had arrived. They were smart enough to know not to ask the person I was with a bunch of questions because they could work out the dynamic between us. It was a business meeting. So they could tell a whole bunch of things that were unspoken. Now that's in the service environment. I had a, an example, in a, this is a call center example now, and this is uh, ordering a fridge freezer. I talk about this in my TEDx. So one particular brand where the agent completely understood the situation I was in and she made things happen that I was not expecting. We were in full lockdown. She managed to get this fridge. I know it's, it's a first world thing, right? But we there's five people in our household. We needed a fridge freezer, couldn't get to the shops. Nothing was left in the, in the store. And she was saying to me, I completely understand your situation. You must be beside yourself. That's all she needed to say because she could tell in my voice, I was getting stressed out because someone previously had let me down. And that's a white goods company, but she understood, she made things happen that were so incredibly valuable to me. She wasn't just following the process. Is that empathy? It's more than empathy, because actually what she's doing is she's using her organizational awareness to say, I know exactly who to talk to, to get that device to you three days sooner. 
she was also using teamwork because she'd spoken to another one of her colleagues to say in this region because I don't know where you live and I don't really know what's going on do you know whether such and such can do this thing she was plugged into I think almost I think I worked out at least eight of the 12 competencies you can tell I'm a part academic can't you she was plugged into <laughs> eight of the 12 competencies because she'd demonstrated them in the way that she'd orchestrated that conversation with me so when you just use those phrases to describe it I'm in my mind ticking off the competencies organizational yeah. awareness yeah. Uh, what were the, what was the organizational awareness was the first one that yeah. came to my mind teamwork um, is another one um, yeah. self-awareness was another one she was empathetic but she was also quite inspiring because she was working from home and while she had the dog barking in the background and one of her children was asking her where the biscuits were, she kept <laughs> completely calm. Self-awareness. Absolutely. Love it. Love that. Emotional intelligence also. You got in, it. In, yeah. yeah. So let's segue into the final third of, of our podcast. We, we ask each of our guests to... Uh, to weigh in on three different areas. And I wanna segue at this particular time for a reason. The first section that we ask our guests about is a CX myth buster. And because I've, we, we, we interacted prior to the podcast, I know I think what one of the CX myth busters you're going to talk about is I think is about empathy, if I, if I can lead in, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because we've just kind of talked about empathy, I'm so curious that for you, Empathy might be a myth buster. By the way, I think it is for me too. But I'm really curious to hear your opinion on this because this goes against the grain of what a lot of thought leaders are saying in our industry. <laughs> That's my plan. So, <laughs> so, so I, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a fist pump. Um, I, <laughs> I, so I've got this two, I've got two things going on in my mind. I recognize that empathy is a thing, but I think that. So bear with me for a minute. I think that empathy is often used as a term because it's easier to deal with than the word emotion or emotional. So we hear about empathetic leaders. We think about empathy. I've just told you about an empathy type system that agents are using because to talk about emotion and emotional is just too scary. So that's one thing. So that's the kind of myth buster on Actually, you guys, you're talking about emotions. Don't fool yourself. But the thing I want to bring up is that empathy is something that frontline staff should do during customer interactions. Now, empathy is about recognizing something in another person. But if we listen to the neuroscientists, the neuroscientists say you cannot possibly empathize with me because you have no idea what I'm truly feeling and thinking and feeling because emotions are created from the way I've been brought up from the experiences I've had throughout my life and the context of that moment so when frontline staff empathize I would argue that they're not really empathizing they're listening because sometimes when they really try and empathize, I perceive they mess it up. Because when people say to me, oh yeah, I, I understand what you're feeling. I, I went through that. No, you didn't, because you're not me. 
and I know it must be terrible or or yes I had an example like that or my friend was like that you mustn't do that all you need to do is listen and hold the space so the myth busting I want to prepare for you is that there's a chap called Paul Bloom he's a Yale professor and he says don't talk about empathy talk about rational compassion because rational compassion is more like Brené Brown who says just hold the space don't make any judgment don't try and get in their shoes because you can't possibly because you cannot possibly know what emotions they're feeling and the more that we can just get people to be quiet and to listen to make sounds that they're listening and just connect i think we would be better off so i, I really like that contradictions yeah, in a system but yeah. you know, it's not as simple emotion is not as simple as the customer experience world make it out to be it's not it's more complex than that I, I hear so often, too often, in my opinion, that empathy is the main, should be the main driver. Maybe it's a value, it's an objective. And I agree with you. It's not all, it's usually not authentic. It couldn't be authentic for the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. If you ask me, the critical driver of what should happen in an interaction, in a customer care and, and customer experience, for me, is resolution. What the person comes to the website for, we should hopefully resolve. Yeah. What the person contacts the contact center for, we should hopefully resolve. Mm. That's, that's and, and resolution is, I don't think, has very little to do, I think, with emotional intelligence. It's more practical. It's how do we create an experience where a question can get answered, a transaction can be led from A to Z, uh, et cetera. That's my view of it. But I'm so happy to hear that you also share the view that empathy is not the be all and end all mm. of the interaction. I congratulate you. Thank you very much. But I would like to say that emotional intelligence is, there we go, I've said it now, because it, you know, empathy is one of the 12. And I think in this space, we often confuse all of these terms. We, I mean, it happens very often, doesn't it, when something is overused. And I understand your point about resolution, but I do think the way in which something is resolved is so important. People aren't just looking for something to, to go away. They are looking to feel held, valued, supported, taken care of with thoughtfulness. I like this. I think resolution can still be the ultimate objective, but the path to get there can be many, if not all 12 of the competencies to get to resolution. If you have many or all of those things, the path to get to resolution is certainly a lot easier and frictionless. I agree. Because you, you're understanding your environment, your teamwork, um, organizational competencies, awareness. Um, and, and, and many of the others that you mentioned. I, okay, I, I like this. You have made me think. This is, this is a good exercise. I, I enjoy this. And an audience, if you're listening to this, uh, what, a, what a great way to hear your feedback. Share the feedback with us. Share feedback. Comment on the LinkedIn post when you see this thing posted, when you've listened. Give us your, your thoughts here. Is uh, tough talking malarkey? 
Is Sandra <laughs> accurate? Which I think she is, by the way. And if you do like it and follow it and tweet it and repost it and all those things. But this is, this is a great uh, place to just pause and ask for feedback from, from the audience when this gets published and, and when, when each of you are able to, to consume this. Um, perfect. So this was, this was the myth buster. Let's go into the CX quote. You have a couple of the interesting quotes if you wouldn't mind sharing those with us if you have them handy. I have them handy if you don't, but, but I would love to hear you uh, recite them or read them or you know, paraphrase what those quotes are. Sure. Um, so the first one is from Matt Wilkinson from a book called The Grid. Um, if anyone hasn't read it, I would recommend it. It brings CX into the context of business and I fundamentally believe that it changes the conversation and it makes CX a far more serious contender as part of the board conversation. But there's one particular line from this book, uh, from the grid, page 272, if you'd like to check it out, that's the academic in me again. The growth, potential, the growth potential from acquiring new customers is typically much larger than from improving retention. Boom. That's a pretty powerful quote. By the way, just one thing, Matt, Matt has been on the podcast. Um, I, I don't, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, Paul, maybe you remember, but we, we had Matt Watkinson on uh, during season one and he was a wonderful guest. Uh, we yeah. did talk about the grid and we're gonna have him back on at some point, hopefully. Um, his commentary and thought process is really interesting. It goes against the grain as well um, with some of the common thoughts and, and, and trends that are out there. What do you suggest here? It, it, my understanding that this quote is suggesting that acquiring is more important than retention? I think what he's saying is the growth potential from new customers is larger than improving retention. And, and I think this does is exactly as you've said, it calls to all of the myths, all of the, all of the things that we have taken as read, all of the quotes that we've read over the years, and we've taken them to be true. And some of them are fundamentally broken. So what he's basically saying here is that while you might retain a whole bunch of people, lovely but they might do nothing they may actually just sit on your database or they might just hang around but if you get people in who are actively curious and you you know you get the new customers in for a new product or a new proposition or whatever it might be the growth could be more tremendous so Time and again, I'm teaching my first year students that when it's when we quote the it costs seven times more to acquire a new one than it does, let's really look at that and let's investigate whether that is the truth or not. And that's the thing I love about Matt is that he is confident in his execution of questioning some of our held thoughts because he is so well read. And he knows this stuff. And every time I see his post, I just like, yeah, he's done it again. <laughs> and so that's why um, I've included a quote from him. Wonderful. This is a great quote. Uh, I think you have a second quote. Would you would you mind sharing that one with us as well? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, boil this one down. But this is Adrian Swimsco. This is how to wow. Um, and this is really about emotions. 
Um, now, the interesting thing about emotions are very often people are designing customer journey maps and they're plotting emojis on there. Lovely. This is what we think. It's a smiley face. This is a very angry face. But we don't fully understand the implication of what emotion does. So what he's talking about here is what's interesting from a customer service or customer experience perspective is that the service or experience that we deliver creates emotions within our customers. That's a fact. They're coming with their own emotion. They're coming with an expectation. And then we do something that creates something else in them. He's saying, but research shows that more negative emotions like disappointment and anxiety seem to last the longest. And yet, and this isn't the quote, this is my interpretation, we are not good at resolution, recovery, and sorting out those pain points first, even though the science says that when you cause the pain, when you cause the disappointment, it, the longer it goes on, the worse it's going to be. So what he's saying is when you're designing a customer experience, when you're trying to fix it, deal with the pain first. So many organizations are saying, transformation, woo, yeah, let's do this new shiny stuff. No, sort out the bit that's causing the pain first because that will become indelible. They will never forgive you unless you sort it out. And it, I find it remarkable that so many companies still are not proactive in preventing that pain in the first place. And tying into your work, if they are emotionally intelligent, they have a much greater likelihood to avoid creating the pain. Absolutely. I learned here. I've been paying attention. Good <laughs> stuff. Let's go down to the final third of the final third. Yep. Your CX heroes. Who are your heroes that you'd like to share with the audience? I'm going to mention two. Um, one, well, I will be shocked if anyone knows this guy, but you just never know. Steve fixes my car. I have <laughs> driven, I drive three hours round trip to see Steve because he is incredible. Not only does he explain to me in simple terms exactly what's happened to my car, he will see me whenever I can basically fit a service or an MOT into my diary. He is always happy. How many car mechanics have you met that are always happy and always happy to proactively point some things out or to fix stuff I haven't even made him aware of? That's Steve. He's so great. I can't even remember his surname, but he <laughs> is magnificent. And he's a three-hour round trip from my little car that's actually been, I think, seven times around the world. That's how many miles are on that clock. Everyone needs a Steve, don't they? Oh, my gosh, don't we? We do. It's incredible. And then the second one um, is an amazing lady called Laura May. Laura May is a customer experience practitioner. She has curiosity and courage. She has the courage to try new things. She has the courage of her conviction and her belief in things like thoughtfulness and in things like attention to detail and not stopping if things are all right. She wants to make them great. And I, I wonder how she's going to feel when she hears this. I better let her know. But she's just an incredible leader um, in CX and she's working in the event space. They have pivoted 
they have done an incredible job in her particular organization because she's fleet of foot and there's no question that she's got EI. So any other CX heroes? I was going to say Matt Watkinson again, but this is turning into the Matt Watkinson love show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's part of the extended family, and that's okay to shamelessly plug his name. Plug away. <laughs> so I read, um, I read his first book. I think it's his first book, um, The Ten Principles of Customer Experience, and I laughed like a drain because his humor comes out, and he explains things simply, and he also since writing that book has reflected and said, there's a couple of things in there actually that I feel quite differently about. So some of the things that I've written, I understand more about them. And actually, I don't believe a couple of these things anymore. Who has the courage to do that? He does. And he is so well read. I've mentioned to him a couple of things before now. And before I know it, I have a long Amazon order coming because there's all these extra publications that he's read that I haven't, that I need to get up to speed with. So I think that I I, I put him down as a, as a legend uh, and a CX star, whatever you want to call because the stuff that his company do, the methodical do, the papers that they write, I really believe that's where CX needs to go. Superb. You have the last word here before we wrap up this particular session. We talked about CXEI, CX Emotional Intelligence. We busted some myths, not only in the MythBuster section, but I think across the entire session today, we busted some myths, especially around empathy. Final thought, final parting thought for the audience, what would it be? I think that 2021 is an opportunity for not only people in customer facing roles, but just for people to be more in tune, to just take some time. We had, a, all of us have had a rough year last year. And I think that there's an opportunity for leaders to change their style, to listen and to care and to be more thoughtful. And I think that customers aren't gonna tolerate a lot of the stuff that they did tolerate before. And it's time for some organizations to switch up because they're gonna be out of business. I really believe that. I believe that some of the slack stuff, some of the things where they, they, they make mistakes or they don't apologize or they're not being considerate or respectful of customers, they're gonna be weeded out. I think this is the year of opportunity to really show compassion and to show caring. And I'm really looking forward to reading more stories about more brands demonstrating that. You have been a wonderful guest. We're, we look forward to hopefully having you come back, Thank continuing you. to go against the grain in a great way. Um, I learned a lot from this, and I think our audience will certainly take many things away. Uh, audience, my thought, look at those 12 competencies. Look how they are uh, utilized, if at all, in your organization. And one thing that I'm thinking about is, of course, my own organization and my own development, my own comportment, my own attitudes, my own interactions with my team members and my team members' interactions with, with our clients' customers. These are some very, very hearty things to think about. And like you said, here in 2021, the beginning of the year, this is what's going to help us hopefully differentiate ourselves and make the world a kinder, gentler place. Super. Paul, how do we wrap this baby up? I think I think uh, 
Sandra just hit this one out of the park. I think uh, there were lots of lessons here. Final concluding thoughts from you. Well, firstly, it's great to get a fellow British person on the, on the podcast, the first one of 2021. So Sandra, Auntie Sandra, as I'm now going to call you, thank you so much. Uh, you've been, I, I was unsure of what to expect, to be honest with you, but you've blown me out of the water. Um, your insights and the way that you explain the whole emotional intelligence and how it works for me was an eye-opener because I come from a school that always says, look, you are what you are, right? You are what you are, you, you, you're the way you, you, you're the way you are. Um, and to hear that you can improve that and how you not only interact with the customers, but also the people around you, if you take it at a bigger scale, right? So just day-to-day -day interactions with other human beings, there's a lot of great work there. So kudos to you and, and your team, really. Yeah, I, I just loved it. I think that's all I can say now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect. A final request of our audience, uh, as we will deliberately hopefully do each session, uh, first, follow Sandra. Follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, when this is published, you will have a day or two left to hopefully still vote for her. Remind us, Sandra, of the the name of the magazine, um, where they can find hopefully the place to vote uh, for you as a nominee. Customer Experience Magazine. Customer Experience Magazine. Definitely vote for Sandra. I'm going to run out as soon as we conclude here. I'm going to go do my clicking and vote for Sandra. Um, and audience, one thing that we ask of you additionally as we close is to please rate us, please write a review for us on Apple Podcasts and on iTunes. That's a favor we ask of you if you like our content. It just helps us. It's a piece of marketing oomph uh, that, that gives us a little bit of extra boost. Follow us, subscribe to us, like us on LinkedIn. Please download these podcast sessions because they are uh, labors of love. Our guests... Uh, just bring tremendous insight and experience. It's lovely to be able to have the opportunity to present their views to you. And we just appreciate those follows, rates, reviews, likes, subscribes, etc. This is Fireside Chats Without the Fires, concluding Friday, July 15th with Sandra Thompson. This has been a sensational session. Sandra, once again, thank you. And audience, thank you for tuning in. See you next week. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Cathro. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.